the Rick and Joe NFL Draft Show, powered by NFLDraftScout.com. Whoa, here we go, baby. It's the 2019 NFL Draft Preview Show. We're counting you down here on the NFL Draft Bible Extravaganza. Bonanza. I am your host, Rick Saratella, RIC in a place to be. Kicking it with you. And along with, oh man, we had such a great podcast yesterday with Chris Shanafelt and Bo Marchant. We got Bo times two. We doubled down with some Bo Marchant, the draft ninja. Follow him at Bo Marchant. And of course, Joe Everett at Joe W. Everett, never leaving a stone unturned. We're going to do a little bit of a freestyle spin it one, two style on the uh, turntables here as we count you down to the NFL draft from what we're hearing. What's been reported, talk a little draft props, some prop bets, and uh, try to make some money off of this thing for all of you guys living in Vegas and here in New Jersey. Uh, But it's going to be a wild ride. Like we uh, always say, buckle up, double chin strap kind of party over here. And uh, to (laughs) join me in the festivities, it's been the Rick and Joe show, but today it's the Rick, Joe, and Bo show. So let's start off with Bo Marchant. Welcome him in on the uh, Sports Management Worldwide Hotline, Bo. Back for another edition, Double Dose, baby. Glad to have you. How you feeling? I'm feeling great. I'm I'm, I'm glad to be invited back. Um, It's draft day for us draft nerds. Um, The draft mix from the old times, um, you know, this is different. Like I used to joke... uh, you know, if you would have told us in 1990 that draft night would replace the Huxtables and must-see TV, I'd have told you you're out of your mind. But it's <laughs> Thursday night, and it is draft night. <laughs> Prime time. And uh, Joe, it's been a while since we did a show with Bo. It feels like the good old times, uh, cool in the gang style here on a, another extravaganza bonanza. It's always a uh, wild ride here when we do the draft day shows and uh, we're now just a few hours away from the number one pick. Did you, did you get any sleep or were you a nervous Nelly like me? Oh no, no. I've uh, woken myself up the past two days, uh, right before the alarm, like no sense in setting it. Uh, it's that kind of feeling and it's, it's great to be on with you guys. I mean, the RIC and the draft ninja, I'm going to have to keep my head on a swivel today. <laughs> no doubt about it. And you know, uh you know, Kyle Murray's been pinching himself and, and waking up in the middle of the night apparently having nightmares because uh I was just watching some NFL network before we came on the air and the panel was talking about how, you know, Kyler's feelings might be hurt if he's not the number one pick. So any team, you know, if the Cardinals do bypass on him, any team selecting him later on the draft, they might have to have some kind of uh, provision or clause in the contract because he might suddenly (laughs) quick to have second thoughts about baseball again. So, um, you know, Bo, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, him blowing off the charity events, flying in via helicopter, uh, accepting his NFL draft invitation. Uh, but not going through the whole entire process that, you know, you kind of agree to do these events throughout the week, kind of um, Hollywood style on Kyler Murray's part. Uh, I think we can all assume he's still going to be the number one pick, or are you feeling differently? No, I, I, 
I still think he's going to be the guy that, you know, Arizona goes with. Um, I don't, you know, if he wasn't in the only thing I could imagine, it, it, well, if they elect not to, I can't imagine keeping Josh Rosen, but tormenting Josh Rosen and kind of putting him in such an awkward position if that was the case. I mean, and I don't see the benefit. I mean, if you're going to try to trade down, you're still going to get the value. You can't get much more than what you would get for the number one picks. I don't see somehow if this was all a ploy, you know, of them kind of trying to maximize value, getting more from that number one pick. It's just not possible. So at the end of the day, I think when you have a guy like Josh Rosen, who you moved up five picks last year from 15 to 10, um, to grab, and then you go in a different direction the next season, um, or even if you decide not to, I just don't know how you can kind of say, Josh, welcome back into the building after we tormented you basically for the last, you know, two and a half months. I think that would be an awkward thing. So <laughs> I think tonight that number one pick is going to be Kyler Murray. Yeah, it'd be hard to imagine. But, Joe, I mean, again, I just happen to be watching some NFL Network. Ian Rappaport is saying that a source told him – and I could only imagine it would be the player's agent, that the Cardinals have been in contact with Quinnen Williams today, uh, just hours before the draft, saying, hey, you're still in play here. Uh, you're still in the mix. We'll keep you posted. Is that a ploy? Do they want uh, Quinnen Williams' agent to, in turn, leak that out to the media and maybe – uh, field some trade offers? Are they are are they just kind of throwing it out there to see? Hey, you know what? Maybe we get an offer that's too good to refuse. Or do you think it's just they're locked in and zoned in, zeroed in on Kyler Murray? I think it's going to be Kyler. I mean, and, you know, they're talking to Quinn and I'm you know, having conversations with everybody. I'm sure. I mean, I'm not listening too much to what Ian Rappaport has to say, but I would want to just hey, what we were talking about earlier. Hey now. But Baker going diva on us last year this time, uh, I think, you know, people glossed over that. Like, it's the same kid, same school thing. So I'm not as worried about that. I mean, he's, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. The star knows he's a star. Oops, how'd that happen? So I, I, he's going to be the number one pick. I think he knows it at this point. And I, the people, I, I know sometimes there's some football folks listening, scratching their heads. Well, why they trade those picks? Why are they just throwing this kid away? I think. They're honestly listening to the coach. If the coach comes in there and says, yes, Rosen's good, but this kid here is special and I believe it, we'd be fools to pass up on it. I think that is the conversation also that needs to be talked about that's probably going on in the building. Like they don't really want to miss on a kid they think that is, uh, you know, can't miss. So, you know, more power to them if that's what they're thinking. You know, the other interesting thing that I heard, and of course the dominoes will fall once Kyler Murray is selected, Josh Rosen will be dealt. Now you're hearing a local um, radio station, I want to believe. Now, I mean, I don't know who to believe, but I mean, it's a legitimate radio organization is saying that the Cardinals have not been offered any second round pick yet uh, for a Josh Rosen, so who <laughs> knows. But. The one thing I didn't realize, and Sean O'Hara actually mentioned this during the broadcast, was Josh Rosen suffered a concussion last season. And, you know, maybe I don't keep tabs on the NFL as close as some of the other analysts out there. I don't pretend that I do. Uh, Not sure if you guys have heard this, but, man, I think at least two concussions in college, now another concussion last season, if that's true – Bo, uh, how you feeling there? A little bit queasy. Will you will you still give up the second round pick? Uh, any any kind of consideration with that? 
you know, I still think they can get a second-round pick for Rosen. I mean, you know, we know the Giants had him in for workouts last year. The Broncos had him in for workouts. And, and nobody's ever going to reveal their hand in terms of who they want. You kind of just want to say, yeah, I don't really care about him. You don't want to say, man, I'm, I'm in armored with this kid. i got to have him because, you know, the price is going to go up. You're going to pay more. So teams are going to kind of bid and wait. They're going to kind of act like they don't care. And, and when it really comes to push and shove, you know, they're the, – if the, you know the Cardinals execute the plan of taking Kyle Murley, they're going to have to get rid of Rosen, and then somebody is going to want him. I mean, I, I'm not a Rosen guy. Um, I talked to a lot of people last year, people who were really inside. Um, you know what went on at UCLA. They just said his his you know he has a, a type of demeanor that's going to wear on you over time, and I, and, and I don't know if that's already happened in Arizona, but you know if you add that in, and you know, and I I know we like to think, well, you know what. Jared Goff looked like a complete bust in year one and year two, he looked like a superstar. I think to go off the analogy that every guy that's a bust now is going to turn into Jared Goff is kind of a mistake. And I think that's where everyone's thinking, well, you know, Rosen, you know, look at Jared Goff. It's two different scenarios. And I don't think it's a good thing to compare because what usually if you have that bust quarterback season, nine times out of 10, you're going to be a bust. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, if you believe in Rosen and, you know, these NFL evaluators know a lot more about him and what he brings to the table than I'm ever going to know. But at the end of the day, a team will, I think, sacrifice the two, if not maybe a three and a five, and then, you know, a team will acquire Rosen. But at the end of the day, you know, what was I was told, and this is the thing that stuck with me is, a guy like Rosen, if he just if he plays for the Packers or the Steelers or the Cowboys, those organizations that have a passionate fan base, the Cleveland Browns, you know, when they lose, Monday morning the whole city wakes up, the coffee tastes like crap. For Rosen, it's not going to taste bad for him. He's just going to kind of go about his business. And ever since I was told that from a person who would know, that kind of always stuck with me. So that resides in how I feel. I thought his play was lousy. And again, you know, I don't know how good he is, is, you know, in the facilities. And, you know, after one year, we've never seen this before in our lifetime, gentlemen, that a quarterback, a team moved up to take a quarterback, and one year later, you know, they're back right saying, you know what, we're starting over. Never seen it, may not ever see it again. No, I mean, you'd have to be a fool to employ that GM. No offense, Steve Kime. I enjoyed the few cocktails we had at Champions, but hey, I'm just telling it like it is, Mr. Saratella, telling it like it is in 2002. <laughs> hey, that's what we do here at the NFL Draft Bible. We got Joe and Bo on the line, of course, uh, the 2019 NFL Draft Bible. If you didn't download it yet, go to NFLDraftScout.com. Up there in the menu bar, 2019 Draft Guide, ding, bang, boom. Joe, I told you we'd work in some props here on this show, uh, Vegas right now. You know, I want to start just saying Jersey right now, but, you know, we'll just wait until Jersey and Atlantic City overtakes Vegas. It's it's coming, fellas. Uh, New Jersey is going to be the gambling capital of the world. It's it's true. Uh, they might already be, the way they're raking in the revenue hand over fist over here. <laughs> you should see the lines at the FanDuel Sportsbook and uh, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook. It's unbelievable. But, you know, three and a half is the over-under for quarterbacks taken in the first round, Joe. We're talking about Kyler Murray going one. Hey, Josh Rosen then gets dealt. One of these other QB needy teams, whether it's the Giants, the Redskins, uh, you know, who knows, the Dolphins, that takes another team out of the equation in the first round. So um, everybody seems sold on four quarterbacks in the first round. Are you still sold on four quarterbacks in the first round? 
And if you're not, if you're taking the under three and a half, who is the QB that doesn't make the cut? Uh, I'll just say I would rather bet on the the under and just get that plus payout, uh, you know, but I I do believe at the end of the day it's going to get four. Uh, For example, in my mock draft final, I put four in there for prosperity, right? But if I had to cut the first four that doesn't make it, I think Daniel Jones is the one that doesn't make it. If you know, there's a lot of talk. The NFL loves him, and the Giants love him, and this and that. That that's the one I'd vote off the bus. I think Locke will find a suitor if it's Denver. Um, heck, I wouldn't rule the Raiders out of that, even though they don't. I don't know that they met with him, but um, uh, and then Haskins and and Murray, they're they're going to fit in the combo, but. Uh, if I had to pick one uh, first off the island, uh, sorry, Daniel Jones. <laughs> well, that's interesting because you're hearing, you know, as of uh, less than 24 hours ago, Bo, you heard, well, hey, the Giants are considering Daniel Jones at six, but, hey, uh, the Redskins might be talking to the Jets to move in ahead of the Giants for Daniel Jones. But, hey, the Raiders like Dwayne Haskins. But, hey, the 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 Redskins like Dwayne Haskins. I mean, uh, I don't know what to believe, but are you believing that the consensus is four quarterbacks still at the end of the day are going to go in the first round? Yeah, I agree with, with Joe. I, I, I did my final mock this morning, and, you know, and I have four quarterbacks going – in the first round. And I would agree with Joe. If one would maybe get tallied out of that first round, I think it would be Daniel Jones, but he would be immediately, you know, probably a top four selection when day two would happen tomorrow night. But, uh, you know, we all know, I mean, you know, it, and I, you know, look talking about Rosen and Murray, I think this is the fabulous thing and and agents and players aren't ever going to be fond of it, but you know, this rookie salary cap, we all know this, you know, years ago teams would be handcuffed and these franchises would be, you know, handicapped for years because, you know, they would be unable to kind of get out from underneath these large, enormous rookie contracts, especially at the quarterback position. And we've seen, like, you know, a franchise took a quarterback last year, they moved up to this quarterback, and very likely one year later they're going to pay, pay pull the plug and go in another direction. So I think it just shows the versatility that it allows teams to have when they don't have to be stuck to these quarterbacks. And, and the teams now, the ones we mentioned and the ones we don't know about, and that's the fun part about it. I mean, you really never know who – is really, really interested in where those picks are going to come from. If somebody goes after Rosen or if one of these teams move up to take, you know, Drew Locke, Daniel Jones, or Dwayne Haskins. I mean, you know, look at Cincinnati. I mean, they're going to be in play, I think. Uh, Washington's going to be in play. Miami, New York. And, you know, it could be a team that we don't know about. And, you know, maybe Jacksonville. You just never know. I mean, I know they signed Nick Foles, but, you know, you just never know what a team is thinking internally. And we tonight when this thing starts – I mean, how many times are we going to sit there and watch a name be called and go, wow, that blew my mind? Probably about 15, 17 times. So that means, you know, you'd like to think that this pick makes the most sense, but at the end of the day, they're usually the picks you never see coming that actually go to the board. No, it's going to be intriguing indeed. Uh, Lots of heat, lots of fire, lots of fury when you get Bo Marchant, Joe Everett, and Rick Saratella talking NFL draft on Draft day, baby. Nashville 2019 destination. It has arrived. 365 days in the books. Here we are talking about it. There's no time to be about it. We just got to make it happen now. So uh, we're going to have some fun with it here. And 
you know, we got the quarterbacks out of the way. So now, you know, the biggest storylines to me, gentlemen, is where the slip and slides are occurring. And, you know, in previous podcasts, I think we established that the cornerbacks are going to slide most likely. But to me, Montez Sweat is the guy. And I want to, you know, there's there's several guys that fit these category, but I think Sweat is the biggest question mark in terms of he can go top ten, he can go, I don't know, how low. But I think Rashawn Gary is another guy. I don't think he's a top 20 selection anymore. Maybe you guys differ. We'll talk about it. But what about Jeffrey Simmons? People think he might be a top five player in the draft. Does he crack the top 20? So where do these guys go? But let's really uh, spotlight Montez Sweat. Joe, I'll start off with you because we saw him at the Senior Bowl look dominant. Mighty impressive combine. Today's report. The heart condition might have been misdiagnosed. Where do you see Montez Sweat and these other guys sliding? Do any of them fall out of the first round? I, I'd be shocked if Sweat falls out of the first round. I mean, I'm, you know, enlargement, part, uh, diagnosis, whatever. I, I'm throwing it out the window. If I get three years of that kid at what he's done, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. Most people don't even get that out of a draft pick. Uh, 12's his floor. I think if the Packers don't bite, um, I, maybe I'm wrong there. I'm fine with being wrong. I just see a, a pretty rare player that's super long, and you know, we don't have to get into even the game. I just think um, if it is uh, this drastic of a slide, it's it's some specific meds that we just, we just don't know about. But, um, no, I think he's – still uh, on the conversation uh, in the teens. And then, um, yeah, you kind of nailed it for Gary. I've got him at 21 is uh, where I see him coming off the board. And it was it was tough to find a home with this late breaking news, uh, the labrum, the torn labrum, I guess, but also just where the production's at. Um, I still think there's – it's going to be – I've got him going to the Seahawks because that's, to me, kind of ideal. It's the, 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 that scheme, getting a player like that, they'd be licking their chops. So, I mean, I, the, Gary falling too much past 20 is is, is hard to believe. Um, and then Simmons, I, I think it's – I got him going to the Raiders, but I still think he goes in the first round. Uh, the funniest one I saw, I forget who had it in their mock, was the Colts taking him, but I don't see the Colts – Taking those risks on character, the, the the locker room and the uh, the the culture is so important to Ballard and what they're doing. I see like a Raiders taking a chance on them. Maybe the Patriots. They got that strong locker room, but um, yeah, someone's gonna bite on Simmons. The talent is just too great, and I know he's gonna have to take a red shirt with that torn ACL. But uh, you know the the Pats would be fine with that. I'm sure. I know the Raiders would be fine. I think they took a red shirt kid last year, so I. I um, yeah, I think all those guys still find their way in the first. But, yeah, the slide for Gary is real. I mean, if I had done my mock uh, just a week ago, I'd have Gary in the top ten. Yeah, well, you know, a couple things there. One, I agree with the Colts. I think they're the, a team just knocking on the door, looking to elevate and take the next level. I don't think they want to redshirt a guy and wait a year. I think they want someone who's going to make yeah. an immediate impact. So, um I will say we, we're thinking alike with the teams willing to take the chances on these guys because I actually 
I kind of flip-flopped the two teams. I have Simmons coming off the board at 29 to the Seahawks, of course, picking up that extra first-round pick. And then I had Gary coming off the board uh, just two picks earlier to the Raiders at 27. So, and, and Bo, I don't know where you slotted these guys, but Sweat, you know, I actually do see him doing the slip and slide, you know, Maurice Hurst was projected to be a first-round pick. He went in the fifth round. We talked about not as serious of a heart condition, so we've been told. But I have him sliding all the way down to 19. I can't see him possibly sliding past the Titans at 19. Where do you see it playing out? Well, I have the bottom for each one of these guys in terms of Sweat and Gary. Now, I had these guys inside the top ten. I think I had Sweat going at five at one point, Gary maybe going five or six in earlier mock drafts. I got the Falcons taking Gary at 14, and then I actually have a trade in my mock draft. I have Washington moving up to take a quarterback with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I have Jacksonville coming back at 15 and taking Sweat, kind of replace that Dante Fowler guy that they took at 15 and then ended up trading to the Los Angeles Rams last year. And then when it comes to Simmons, and this is, goes against everything that I know, but again, I just I try not to think like like the logic never works out when we look at this stuff. So I have it; it goes against everything they would ever do. But I have Simmons going to number twenty with the Steelers because I already have the DBs off the board. I know what their need is, but when we talk about Simmons, we talk about a top five guy, Javon Hargrove. He's a good guy. You know, his contract will be up next season. And, you know, I look at the Steelers saying, you know what, we can get a dynamic guy to pair with Stephon Tuitt and Cam Hayward and really maybe put this defensive front over the top, not this year, but next year. And, you know, and again, I doubt it happens. But, again, I got 32 picks in the first round. I'm probably going to get five right. At the end of the day, I'm going to take a hunch. I think Simmons is that good. And we know the smart teams, they're going to love grabbing this guy. Wait one year. And, you know, and you know, I think of Todd Gurley. I mean, when you're an immense talent like Gurley or Simmons, you know, torn ACL still went 10th overall to the Rams. So if they believe in you, you're still going to go early. And I think the teams know this. And, and Simmons doesn't need that leg like Gurley does. So at the end of the day, I mean, he's going to be a first-rounder. I'd be shocked if we didn't. We know we have a little baggage. He had some issues. But those are in his past. You know, he was forgiven for those. But, uh, you know, I think all those three of those guys are still going to remain top threes. And the one I'm most disappointed about is, is Sweat, because we know he tore up the senior ball. And then what did he do? He went to the NBA, uh, you know, an NFL combine and just completely dominated the thing. So, you know, I really feel bad because he shines such a bright light on himself in a positive way since the senior bowl leading up till today. And then, you know, kind of news starts to, you know, emerge about this and that. And, you know, and I do get a little aggravated that some of these stories always pop up right before the draft. I mean, these guys don't want to hear it. I mean, they've worked their whole lives and, you know, you kind of get that negative vibe. Teams don't buy it. Teams know what's going on. But again, the outside looking in, you know, you just don't want your parents, your family, your friends turning on the TV saying, hey, you know, Bo, Bo's got a bad heart, or Bo, you know, Bo's dumb as bricks. He got this on his Wonderlick test. It's just bad business. Yeah, it's all about how much you value that clickbait, baby. Uh, Joe Everett, Bo Marchant, Rick Saratello, breaking it down just hours away to the 2019 NFL draft. Destination Nashville report just came out today. Bo, you'll be excited about this one. We all know next year's in Vegas, but 2021 <laughs> sounds like Cleveland's at the forefront to host <laughs> the NFL draft. So we shall see. Um, 
you know, listen, we appreciate everybody who tuned in throughout the season. We'll probably be back next week talking about the 2020 NFL draft, but keep it locked all week. We're going to uh, recap each and every round, preview each and every day. The whole NFL draft Bible familia. Of course, we had Chris Shanafelt on yesterday with Bo, uh, really digging in the crates, talking under the radar. I mean, we got the rake out. We got the pitchfork. I mean, we got the spade. I mean, we went digging so deep, we could bury two caskets, never mind one. <laughs> but, hey, you know, that's why. So if you like what you're listening to, uh, support the cause. Go to NFLDraftScout.com, download the draft guide. It's nine ninety nine. Up there in the column, you know, menu bar, 2019 draft guide. We greatly do appreciate it. Even if you like it, share, subscribe, and comment on the podcast. Uh, you know, every bit goes a long way because, you know, it's funny. <laughs> you know, people just laughing at the ESPN and NFL Network coverage. And shout out to Rob and Roberts and Good Morning America and what you're going to do with covering the draft there and. uh Olympic style format, but I mean, I'm I'm just sorry nobody really brings you the realness like us because we're out there, we're on location across the nation, literally traveling to the media days, the games, <laughs> the draft, the, the All Star games, the combines, the pro days. My own, my me, it never stops, and that's what's a beautiful thing about the draft Bible. We've got over a hundred interviews in there. We've got near five hundred scouting reports. Our guy. Uh, Drew Schweitzer, who's new to the Familia, is going to hop on for a few minutes and talk about some under-the-radar projects because you can never get enough sleepers and gems and guys, you know, day three. That's what we live for, right? So, um, huh. you know, if you want to get on board with the NFL Draft Bible, my email is ric at nfldraftbible.com. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of internal tracking. So, hey, maybe you want to reach out and work with us and connect in some kind of way. Uh, we've got, you know, 2020 spreadsheets for regions across the country, every state, every team. I mean, scouting reports are already in the can. I mean, you know, that's what we did this past month while the mainstream media is catching up. We're working on next year. That's what we do here at the NFL Draft Bible. So, listen, every single person who purchases the Draft Bible, you're just contributing to the cause, making us bigger, stronger, better, um, because, you know, who wants to tune in? to the mainstream media and listen to the same thing over and over and over again, right? The definition of insanity. So let's talk about the craziness that's going to happen, fellas. Uh, wide receivers, is there going to be like five in the first round or one in the first round or where's the run going to occur? Um, it was interesting. Speaking of that FanDuel sports book, I just happened to be there the other day for a meeting and wandered on into the sports book parlor just to check out some prop bet odds. I know the one uh, thing that stood out to me, if you want to make some money, uh, Joe, Marquise Hollywood-Brown, he was plus 210 to be the first wide receiver off the board. Now, D.K. Metcalf was minus 175. And, you know, if you're not privy to the gambling uh, wagers, in other words, you'd have to bet $175 to win back 100 uh, if you believe D.K. Metcalf would be the first pick. But you could wager $100, and if Marquise Hollywood-Brown was the first pick, then you would get back $210. To me, that was the best bang-for-your-buck value that I saw. Would you agree or disagree? How many wideouts do come off the board in round one? 
Uh, well, uh, my final mock, I got two going, but uh, that, if it was three, I wouldn't be surprised. It's just identifying that third. But I'm I'm with you, man. I'm taking that plus 210 and hammering it. I think it is going to be Hollywood Brown still because you got to think well, at least, hey, you know, my mock is going to be the final winning mock, obviously. But uh, I got the Titans at uh, 19. I think I think they take the bait on Hollywood, and that's what their team so desperately needs, man. They need speed at any cost. When you're out there uh, rolling that corner at Dory Jackson on offensive snaps, boy, you're hurting for speed on offense. So I think Hollywood Brown, like that's hand meat glove. So and I think there's another team if it's not them, uh, Baltimore's met with Hollywood, and that's where yeah. I got my number two receiver going is Baltimore. So. I think um, the the only other worry, I mean, who's your number two, Joe? Surprise, Hakeem Butler, Iowa State. I know a lot of listeners may hate that, but uh, then that's who Baltimore. um, uh, I think that's my number two, and they did meet with Butler, so um, I'm resting on that. But hey, it could be Metcalf. Uh, The one I'm really worried about is AJ Brown. I think a lot of people thinking Metcalf's the first one off the board. Uh, I've just, man, a lot of teams. A.J. Brown has been one of the busiest guys, I think, in this last month with all the meetings he's had. So that's the guy that's uh, reading the tea leaves. Like, he's he's a candidate. He's definitely a suitor for uh, first wide out off the board even. But I think definitely for that third uh, wide receiver, um, if he finds his way in round one, I don't have him in my final. But if he finds his way into day one, I don't think anyone should be surprised. You know, I, I, I'm a firm believer A.J. Brown will be off the board before D.K. Metcalf. I'm curious to hear your opinion, Bill, because, um, you know, you're hearing, I'm I'm hearing, actually, uh, D.K. Metcalf was a media creation. And, you know, he may not even be selected in the first round. Your thoughts? I think you guys hit a ton of nails right on the head in terms of, you know, where Medcalf could go, and then we kind of all reflect back on A.J. Brown and be like, well, how did he get so, you know, fall out of, I guess, love with, you know, I mean, he should be right there in the mix, but for some reason he's kind of, you know, fallen off that plateau as the top receiver prospect because he kind of held that plateau for a, quite a long time, but as we kind of delved quicker or longer into this draft process, he seemed to slip. Um, I have Medcalf and Brown going in round one, and, you know, but then again, I think that's what, you know, you're hearing and what you see, you're just kind of going off that, you know, cause I, you know, my personal evaluations and we talked about this yesterday, Rick is, you know, we love Terry McLaughlin out of Ohio state more than Paris Campbell, but you know, you can't put Terry McLaughlin in the first round. You, you can't put him in the second round, you know, even though you like the guy more. And I, and I, I think that's kind of where we fall into the phase with AJ Brown and the DK Metcalf. I mean, you know, you like certain guys, but you just can't, you can't say, well, I like this guy or I don't like this guy. It hasn't a personal, it's just an evaluation. But I have two going. I mean, I think tomorrow night, you know, they're going to start flying off the board, kind of like in 2008. You know, 2008, there wasn't one wide receiver taken in the first round, the entire first round. But then that second night, round two, I think there was, what, almost, I think, 10 wide receivers. You know, you went from, you know, Donnie Avery down to, you know, Jordy Nelson and Eddie Royal. I mean, Lima Swede. You know, Deshaun Jackson, I mean, there was a litany of receivers taken in that second round. And I, I think tomorrow night, you know, that's when we're going to see the receivers really start to come off the board and they're going to come off hot and heavy. You know, maybe they could even match that second round total 
of 2008. I mean, I, I think it was nine or 10. I think it's going to be a hell of an effort. You know, they're going to give a hell of an effort to tie or at least come close to matching that, you know, 2008 mark of uh, a ton of receivers coming off the board. And who's your first guy, first wideout? I have I have Metcalf uh, going to Seattle at 21, and then I have uh, Marquise, Marquise Brown going to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles with their first-round pick. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, makes a lot of sense. I actually I have Metcalf going – I actually have um, the Ravens. You know, it's funny. I thought I had Hollywood Brown as my first receiver, but in, in this scenario, in Joe's scenario, Hollywood Brown would be first with Tennessee. I'm just looking at my mock now. I do have DK Metcalf to the Seahawks at 21. Yeah, look at that because, you know, it's all of a sudden they got these two picks and they're the kind of team that I just feel like his, his uh, straight line speed in that offense would be significant. And they're the kind of yeah. team that, you know, would value that kind of trait. Um, so looking at it, man, that is an intriguing prop bet now that I see it. Um, so And then I have Hollywood Brown at 22. So I have Metcalf 21 and uh, Hollywood Brown at 22 to Baltimore. Uh, Bo, I got to – just because Chris Collinsworth caught, caught, uh, caught so much heat and I don't I don't read many mock drafts, but pro football focus obviously is out there like that. Uh, Collinsworth mocked Hollywood Brown to the Steelers. I just find that crazy after what they went through with Antonio Brown uh, to draft his cousin. I think, you know, when you think about it, it I mean, you, you've got your finger on the pulse with the Steelers. I don't see a scenario where Pittsburgh's even thinking about that, do you? No. Well, as crazy as I have the Steelers taking Jeffrey Simmons at number 20 in my mock draft, I'd probably be out of my mind to think that, you know, Brown would go there. And you mentioned it. I mean, the relationship and the way things ended, you know, they just tried to hold their head up high, do the dignified thing, you know, act like, you know, hey, you know, we're happy, good for you. But, uh, you know, I, I haven't spoken to anyone, but I think we all know, you know, you put on your best face, but behind closed doors, I personally believe that they were popping the bubbly when they got rid of Antonio Brown. Um, you know, I, when you know the dysfunction and the, thing, the way things went, you know, I think you're just allowed to – you're happy to get the guy out the door. And just like, you know, every other team in the league, when Kevin Colbert goes to the podium, what do you think he's going to say? Of course he's going to say that we're not going to give Antonio Brown away. We're going to try to get as much as possible because that's what his job is, to maximize it. If they, at the end of the day, they would have had to take a seven for him, I still think they would have been excited just because of the turmoil and the dysfunction that he caused in that locker room. So uh, with the relationship, Marquise Brown, uh, I just do not see it happening. Um, you know, again, anything's possible, but I would, I would really, really shy away from the idea that the Steelers uh, would go in that direction and, and kind of bring that, that, that possibility back because they are family. You know, family's thicker than, uh, you know, blood. So, or, you know, blood, you know, thicker players, all that stuff. So, I think at the end of the day, they just stay away. And shots fired, actually, today, <laughs> right before the draft. <laughs> uh, A.B. calling out uh, Ryan Clark, telling him, hey, keep my <sighs> name out your mouth. <laughs> you know, hey. yeah. So, you know, um, some feelings hurt here uh, along the way. <laughs> oh, man, Young Money Crew, how far we've come. Uh, Rick, Joe, and Bo breaking it down. And, uh, you know, the couple things I want to get to, 
let's keep it with theme of, you know, we talked about first receiver off the board. The one consensus, and, and, and listen, I'll give in and say, hey, yeah, Josh Jacobs is probably the first running back, even though Joe and myself like Damian Harris more. I can live with that. Josh Jacobs, first running back, okay, I get it. Uh, safety, however, gentlemen, I wake up, depending on what mood I am, depending on how strong my coffee is that morning, I have a different uh, top safety. And, you know, I mean, this was one, when you look at the prop bets, I mean, there's some really good odds. There's a lot of good uh, chances at, at any one of these guys. And before I get into the names, I don't want to sway anyone in one direction or the other. Uh, Bo, I'll start it off with you. Who do you think is the first safety coming off the board? Uh, well, we probably all heard that, you know, and we probably heard it from, um, from the same people. You know, Darnell Savage, the Maryland, I mean, you know, he was kind of off that first-round radar. But, you know, I've heard up to eight teams have a first-round grade on him. So, I mean, he's definitely picked up momentum. Um, and you can kind of see him trending towards that first round. But at the end of the day, I, I think it will be Mississippi State's Jonathan Abram. Um, I think he'll be the guy. But, it, you know, it's a there's not that – you know, Derwin, Derwin James, there's not that standout safety. It's like, hey, you know, we're going to hang our heads on this guy and he's going to be the number one guy. But, uh, you know, you got Deontay Thompson from Alabama who's kind of taken off. You had Nasser Adderley from Delaware. And uh, the guy that I like the most, and I don't think he's going to be a Brown guy, he's just the guy that I would want, is uh, Taylor Rapp from Washington. So after mentioning about five or six safeties, um, I think Abram will be the, the, the one that goes in the first round. But my personal guy that I would take if I was selecting one in the first round would be Taylor Rapp from Washington. Whoa, okay. Very interesting. Uh, Joe, you know, Bo just confused me there more than ever because, uh, you know, I still have no idea who's going to be the first safety off the board. Can you pinpoint it? Are, are we just throwing darts here? Joe, are you with us? Okay. No, it's my bad. Um, it, it's a number of holes, I think, in the safety class, just like the freaking wide receivers. I, I mean, you could pick these guys apart. Uh, I agree with Bo Abraham, or Abram is probably strongest in the running. Um, to me, it's a three-horse race uh, with Abram being the favorite and then Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. And I like uh, Juan Thornhill. Actually, to, uh, I don't have Abram in my final mock, just trying to be the outlier with the safety game because, like you, I've t I don't know, I'm wearing a blue shirt today, so Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's my number one safety. Uh, Bye. The Florida Gators. <laughs> but I, I love Juan Thornhill. So, to me, I've been toggling between those two, and those are the two safeties I put in my first round Um um, I, if I had to pick my number one, I'd, I'd go uh, CGJ right now. Uh, but like I said, that's today. Yeah, and, you know, listen, if he was the first safety, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he was in the back end of, of the second round and slid all the way down to the Cowboys. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I think it looks like I have the Eagles taking Darnell Savage as the first safety, and I do not have another safety in the first round. So Adderley at 38 to, uh, to Jacksonville is my second guy. Thornhill, I have 42nd to the Bengals. Abram, 44th to the Packers. 
Taylor Rapp, 49th to the Browns. Uh, <laughs> and then Deontay Thompson, there's that guy we thought was first-round bound at one point going to the Cowboys at 58. So, Chauncey, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who, again, I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the first round. I don't think he even made my first two rounds. That's how different these boards uh, have been. And shout-out again you know, to one of our Draft Bible originals, John Murphy, who was going to join us here today, but his, ma- his mom unfortunately uh, passed away. Um, you know, he-, he sent me his top 100, and then I looked at Joe's top 100, and then I had my top 100, and boy, I've never seen such a variance of rankings. And again, I think there's 20 guys here, solid first-round picks, and then 20 to 80, they can come off the board in any which way, which is why I think day two is going to be the most intriguing, most fun day. I think there's going to be a lot of wheeling and dealing, a lot of moving and grooving, a lot of uh, shifting around and trades on day two because, man, it's it's just really a, a, a great depth at the wideouts, great depth at the corners, of course, defensive line. It's a good year if you need a tight end. Um, really good draft. I, I'm enjoying it already. And we're counting you down. Hey, if you don't have the draft Bible, then what are you doing? You're not ready for the draft. It's just an hour away or two, maybe three if you're listening early. But, hey, go download it, nfldraftscout.com, up there in the menu bar, 2019 draft guide, and you can get all of our hard work, collaboration throughout the year, uh, scouting reports, rankings, or even looking ahead 2021 and beyond. So it's a can't-stop-won't-stop stop situation. We haven't even gotten into our prop bets. We've got our guy Drew Schweitzer calling in in a few minutes to talk about some under-the-radar guys. Uh, but, you know, this time of year, teams are trying to pawn off spare parts, and there's a handful of guys that you're hearing could be on the trade block, including uh, Jadavion Clowney from Houston. You're hearing... Uh, you know, I was on Cleveland radio yesterday. They asked me about Duke Johnson, the running back. And I said, you know, it's hard for me to justify giving up a draft pick for Duke Johnson when there's just, you know, what do you give up? Because I can probably get a guy on day three that's comparable to Duke Johnson. I could maybe get an undrafted free agent that's comparable to Duke Johnson. So... You know, would it, would a team really give up a draft pick, maybe a sixth or seventh round? I don't know. Um, you know, some other guys out there being rumored to be traded. Uh, Joe, do you see any veteran guys making a move, uh, whether it's Jadavian Clowney, whether it's a Duke Johnson, um, any veteran targets on the move? Obviously, we talked about Josh Rosen. Just wanted to get your opinion on some of these guys. Oh, Solomon Thomas now from the 49ers is the other big guy, uh, which assumes you know they're going to take a defensive lineman. Now Solomon Thomas is on the block. But you used a first-round pick, so what do you actually get back in return? Uh, yeah, and just to touch on that Duke Johnson trade market, I'm with you. I, I don't see what you're going to get in return. I mean, that, a Bears fan the other day is like, wow, you know, we only got a six-round pick for Jordan Howard. And I'm like, 
bro. You could get a Jordan Howard off the street. Not, not I'm not saying that, but like he's a two down player. You've got your receiver. Like you could you could get a two down just pretty much anywhere. Exactly, man. You could find another guy like that. So it, anyways, yeah, the the market's gonna be very difficult. I don't see Clowney moving. Um I'm looking at Tampa and maybe it's not necessarily some super schemes change, but Gerald McCoy is like He's not going to be there. Like that's a draft day trade. I'm uh, assuming someone's going to make a move when they uh, agree with. T- I don't know, but like uh, Pierre Paul and McCoy, the, I don't think they're Buccaneers uh, after this weekend. Wow. Okay. So that's interesting. Uh, Bo, wh- what do you see from these veterans that are quote unquote on the trade block? Do you see any movements here during the draft weekend? Uh, the one name I think Solomon Thomas could be a guy just because I think he has the biggest pulse. You know, he's still young. There's still some upside. Um, you know, I you know I don't really know what more you could get out of Gerald McCoy. You know, he's I mean he, he is who he is. I don't know if you know he really becomes that much better over the long term of his career. Um, you know, Duke Johnson. I think you know the only value Duke will have is a team that just wants a little bit of stability and that veteran in the locker room. And if injuries start to pile up, you know, during training camp and over the you know the dog days of summer, you know, I think he could emerge as a candidate that a team acquires for a late round pick and probably a six or a seven. And you know, in terms of Thomas, I just think teams may view him as a possible candidate. Could you know, there's still some youth there. He was a first-round pick, and, you know, and I think it's process of elimination for San Francisco where, you know, you, you brought in D Ford, you, you know, you have three other first-rounders in terms of Armstead, Buckner, and Thomas, most likely going to get another one tonight in Nick Bosa. So who's the odd man out? And it, it appears that Solomon Thomas would be that odd man out for the 49ers. But I think there's a team that would be pleasantly, uh, you know, eager to uh, acquire the rights of Solomon Thomas. The bidding price – I don't know if they fetch a one like the Chiefs did, you know, with, you know, with Seattle with Frank Clark, but uh, you know, I think a second rounder would be a you know a possible good candidate. You know, the contract's not that bad, um, so I think you know I think at the at the end of the day, the money is the big thing. You know, I think every team wants to acquire almost every player off another team. It's just a matter of you know, can you fit that salary and how you know how to affect your cap space. So I think Thomas is the guy that over this weekend you would eye up, and I think the others mentioned. You know, I think those could be guys that come you know possibly down the road as the season unfolds. You kind of find out what you got in the draft, what you didn't get in the draft, what's left in free agency. Remember, you know, a guy like Donald Kong Sue still out there. Um, you know, and I think that's a personal choice. He's a veteran. You know, he's been around the block. He doesn't want to go through the, you know, the dog days of summer. He's going to wait, you know, wait his time and, and get to camp when he has to. But at the end, I think Thomas is one of the guys, and all the others I think we're going to wait and see on. Unbelievable. Wasn't that a John Lynch selection? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like one of his first picks. Lynch is, yeah, Lynch has done some – I mean, I don't like the money Lynch has spent in free agency. I, th- I mean, I thought – I mean, I love Quan Alexander, but, I mean, that's big money for a linebacker. Um, you know, they said they Fall had back. their homework done on Reuben Foster. Yeah, Reuben Foster was a – you know, like I said, well, I think I'm looking, their money to invest of, in, Yeah. Well, I'm looking. I, I don't mean Go to ahead. cut you off. I'm looking at the 2017 draft now. They had, I think, five picks in the first four rounds. So Solomon Thomas is going to get dealt their number one pick. Reuben Foster's already been cut. Akella Witherspoon, uh, you know, average at best. And shout out to Eric Edholm, who, who tweeted this out, just came across my wire as we happen to be on the air. C.J. Beathard, 
in the third round, obviously a backup now. Uh, Joe Williams in the fourth round has been cut. I mean, I don't know. John Lynch, is he on the hot seat here? Well, that, that Joe Williams, that is Shanahan's fault. Shanahan just vouched for the kid, even though he retired in the middle of his Utah career. Like, everybody knew it was like a red flag, and even John Lynch didn't have, they didn't have him as draftable. And, and Shanahan, oh, I've got to have the kid. He's going to be special. And they cut him in the preseason. It's like, dude, really, coach? Really? Thank you for that. So I'm I'm just vouching for John on that one pick. So you go. <laughs> <laughs> and he's new to it. I mean, I mean, you don't want to say that. I mean, you're holding the biggest title of a that a team can have. But you know, this is his third draft. Um, you know, there's some mixed. I think some mixed. You know, I mean, you look at it really. Who you know, Fred Warner, third round pick. I think he's you know been a nice selection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, McGlinchey, the Notre Dame kid. He's played well last year. But you know. Chalk it up to, you know, growing pains. George Kittle, you know, you can't argue that one. Fifth round, arguably one of the top tight ends, you know, in the game of football. So, you know, he's had, like every other GM, some hit or misses, but you got to nail those top ones. If you don't nail the top ones, you're going to kind of start to sink to the bottom of the standing. So uh, this is, you know, year three is a big, big year for Lynch to kind of say, hey, we know what we're doing. Luckily, he's, his first pick is going to be Bosa, who looks like a, you know, like a blue chip pro bolt. So it's hard to mess that one up. All right, one more guy I'll throw out there before we get to our guy, Drew Schweitzer. Uh, Patrick Peterson, and feel free to chime in here. You know, (laughs) I don't know what happened. He was on the trade block, then he was off the trade block. He was trending, and then he wasn't. Uh, Any validity here, uh, validity, that Patrick Peterson is on the trade block? Does anybody have information? What's going on? Yeah, me. Yeah, well, I mean, he was unhappy last year, you know, and then he decided to be happy again. So I think once you come out and say you're not happy, everything in my life I look like a relationship with a woman. You know, you're either going to be happy or not. And once you kind of have that dink in the armor where you're like, you know, hey, you know what, I don't want to be here anymore, you know, that's when you kind of change things up. And I think that is the way, you know, it is for Patrick Peterson. Once you come out publicly and you kind of say that, you know, the seal's been broken. Now you know. You know what? I am not that happy. You can come back in, say, yeah, you know what? I'm happy. Let's go out to dinner tomorrow night. But in the back of both of your minds, you're like waiting to pull the plug. So I don't think he's the happiest camper. And it's kind of funny as we talk about all the guys that may be on the block. Possibly, possibly he could be one of those guys that's on the block, as the, you know, the next couple of days. I mean, who would have thought that years ago that Drew Bledsoe was going to be the guy or Lawyer Malloy was going to be the guy? You know, it does happen. And uh, maybe Peterson kind of falls in that, you know, place. And maybe he is the guy that has a new home come Monday morning. Well, there's going to be a lot of mystery and intrigue just hours away from the 2019 NFL Draft. Of course, the 18th season, the NFL Draft Bible has been bringing you on location across the nation with our inside exclusive access. You can download our 2019 NFL Draft Bible right now exclusively at NFLDraftScout.com. Right there in the menu bar, you'll see a link. 2019 Draft Guide. You can still get the job done. Do your job. If you're really, truly a draft, Nick, this is for you. It's Draft Nick Radio and making his NFL Draft Bible Radio uh, debut is our new uh, scouting coordinator. He is Drew Schweitzer. You can follow him on Twitter, at Drew Schweitzer. We're going to uh, talk to him throughout the year leading up to the 2020 draft, but Drew did a lot of great work 
behind the scenes. If you got a copy of the draft Bible and you're wondering, hey, how did all these combine numbers get in there? Drew was cranking them out. But in addition, he did some really deep diving on the scouting reports. He did dozens and dozens and dozens of scouting reports for us on some day three uh, borderline undrafted free agents. So if you tuned in yesterday uh, to our behind-the-scenes show with Chris Shanafelt and Bo Marchant, then you know we really brought you some uh, really good day three sleepers, some guys you need to know, maybe some guys that are going to be undrafted but that are coming for other people's jobs. Uh, so we welcome him in to the show. He is Drew Schweitzer on the hotline now, courtesy of Sports Management Worldwide. Check out our good friends at sportsmanagementworldwide.com. You want to represent a player this time next year? Go get certified with their agent course online, sportsmanagementworldwide.com. You can get your eight-week course and get headed in the right direction. Drew, what to do, baby? How how are we feeling today leading up to the draft? Hey, man, it's finally here. Just want to say thank you for having me on. Uh, all that hard work we put in, going to the pro days, watching film. Hey, it's finally here, man. I'm excited. No doubt about it. And, you know, before you hopped on board with us, you were doing some great stuff, some really good work with uh, Sports Info Solutions. Shout out to our guy Matt over at SIS. But, Drew, you know, I wanted to bring you on because you did so much great homework on some of these sleepers and draft gems and day three guys. Uh, I wanted to bring you on to talk about some of these guys, and we'll do them one at a time. That way we give Joe and Bo and myself some time to react to them. So uh, hit us with, with a few gems. Uh, start off, give us, give us somebody good here to kick it off, man. Who's one of the guys that, you know, you weren't really too high on, then you got to digging into the film and said, hey, you know what, we got something here. I got to start off with tight end Dawson Knox out of Ole Miss. Um, only produced 600 yards in his, in his receiving career, no touchdowns, but he was court, sort of used as an H-back and slot receiver at times. And we obviously know that Ole Miss offense is just totally star-studded with DeMarcus Lodge, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf. But Dawson Knox does show some traits as a complete tight end that could translate to the next level, especially due to his blocking doesn't shy away from contact. And, you know, because he was used as an H-back, that means he was kind of a lead blocker. So teams in the NFL that don't have a fullback could actually look at Dawson Knox's versatility and actually put him as a lead blocker there in an I-formation goal line situation, and he can knock some people over. Um, as a receiver, uh, he's a classic case of his potential outweighing his college production. Uh, like I said, just eclipsed over 600 yards total, no touchdowns in his career. And the Ole Miss offense was kind of bland. Their route tree wasn't, you know, expanded. So he's going to have to learn an NFL route tree as a tight end and in the slot as well. But he shows some natural hands. And, you know, he does show freak athleticism. We saw that at his combine. And I combine that with his blocking ability. You know, he projected an upside day two pick, maybe sneaks into the late second round, early third round. Yeah, fast riser leading up to the draft here, Joe. Uh, you know, I don't think my man has caught a touchdown since, like, junior year of high school, but a lot of people high on Dawson Knox. Evan Ingram, a surprise first-round pick. How high can he go? Oh, he's a top 100 player for me. 
Uh, and there's no doubt. I mean, he, he's, I like what Drew said. He's got some power, and, and he has some uh, versatility there, I think. But, uh, yeah, the issue is lack of production. You're basically drafting on upside, but that's pretty much what we're doing. I mean, we're drafting profiles, what this guy could be, um, real natural in hands. And I thought, you know, in the drills, even in the combine, looked pretty smooth out there running. I just uh, balanced uh you like the athlete, and that's I, I think it's justified enough, which is saying a lot about him since it's such a deep uh, tight end class. But, no, I see him going uh, – I'm, I'm putting him third round just on the outside. I mean, I don't buy the first-round talk. If I'm taking somebody day one, I've, I've got to see some production. So, uh, But I, I still think he's a heck of a player. We're looking at third round for me. All right, Rick, Joe, and Bo talking to Drew Schweitzer here, uh, college scouting coordinator. If you're a 2020 prospect or beyond and you want to, you know, get yourself on the radar, you want us to take a look at your film, hit up Drew, email him, drew at nfldraftbible.com. And, you know, he's been, uh, you know, grinding the film. Drew, hit us with another player here. Who's another guy that you profiled that you want to talk about? Awesome. Um, yeah, so staying on the offensive side of the ball, I look at Antoine Wesley, the wide receiver out of Texas Tech. Uh, yes, he only had one year of actual production, 1,400 yards, nine touchdowns in Texas Tech's air raid offense. I don't think you, you have those numbers and it just comes out of nowhere. Yes, it's against Big 12 defenses, but Wesley thrives on making those acrobatic catches, and we saw a number of those in his film study those one-handed grabs that make you say, wow. Um, his, his short to intermediate speed and acceleration needs work. But with him boasting that wiry frame at 6'4", 200 pounds, he's going to need to bulk up. And his long speed is there. But like I said, that acceleration in the short to intermediate areas needs work. Um, he could definitely work uh, on his press cover, you know, against press coverage. Although he has long arms, he's going to need to bulk up to, you know, battle those bigger and more physical corners in the NFL. But like I said, his hands are there. His, his ball tracking is there. His route running is there. Yes, he needs to expand his route tree. Like I said, with Dawson Knox, these guys run some bland route trees, especially in the Big 12, you know, Texas Tech's air raid offense. Don't, don't really ask him to do that much. But I look at Anton Wesley, he's definitely an upside player. Maybe a day three pick, upside day three pick in my eyes. Well, you know what? There might be someone here who disagrees with you. And, Bo, I was going to go over to Bo, but you know what? I just happen to know that this is one of Joe's favorite. Uh, he might be pounding the table inside. If he's in a war room, he might be pounding the table for day two. So, Joe, I'm going to go back to you just because I know Antoine Wesley is one of the Draft Bible favorites and you are, you know, probably the president of that fan club. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love the kid. I, I mean, it, it's tough because, you know, the the, the time speed in, in there and, like, he didn't do any full workouts, but just check the tape. Uh, he's running away from guys uh, that are, you know, like half his size. So, to me, that's that's game speed. Uh, and the, uh, another guy, just real smooth runner, He's got change of direction, even at his size. It's um, not a finished product by any means, but I think that's a starting perimeter receiver with, like, star potential. And I see other boards. You know, you can't help but check other boards and just scratch my head. It's like, man, why is, like, 
he's, he's some people's 75th, 100th ranked wide receiver. And, uh, yeah, that makes me want to pull my hair out. Uh, I still, though, I've, I've got him in day two. Uh, at the at the final rankings, uh, it, it's tough to put them in day one. Uh, I don't really have but two receivers in day one in this class. But no, I'm a big fan of Wesley and a supporter. And yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm I'm expecting him to get drafted higher than a lot of people are expecting. And Bo was was Wesley a lunch bucket candidate? Uh, he was not a lunch bucket candidate. You know why? Because I my I think. I think he's just better than what everyone presumed. I, you know, when I did the lunch bucket, these are, you know, he's too good to be on the lunch bucket squad. Put it that way. Um, I agree with Drew and and okay. Joe at this. Uh, you know, he he's a guy that has is mentally talented. Again, you can't look at fifteen hundred yards or, or fourteen hundred yards of senior season, you know, and say, hey, this kid doesn't have the goods or junior year. So I think at the end of the day, you know, I think he can sneak into you know tomorrow night. I think he can sneak into the second round. Uh, Again, I think there's going to be a big run on the receivers on you know in that second round tomorrow night, um, and, and I would not be shocked if you know we hear his name called, and I would be shocked if we don't hear his name called at all when Friday concludes and rounds two and three are done. But uh, I agree with these guys, immensely talented kids, and uh, I, I can't anything I can't add much more because these guys basically covered the whole deal, which is uh, top shelf. Yeah, it's what's your flavor of the week, and that's why it's going to be so intriguing to see which order these guys do come off the board. We're just hours away from the 2019 NFL Draft. Rick, Joe, and Bo show here with Drew Schweitzer. Drew, what it do, baby? Who else you got for us? <laughs> All right, we're, we're switching to the defensive side of the ball now. Right from our own backyard, Saquon Hampton, safety from Rutgers. Really impressed with the combine with some 4.48 speed. Uh, we actually got to see him at the Rutgers Pro Day in person. Uh, he already made his money running, so he just took part in positional drills, but he just blew me away with how fluid his hips were. Looked a natural attacking the ball in those, in those positional drills. And then I turn on the film, and I see a ball hawk with range that is especially requ- required of an NFL safety. Uh, he also isn't afraid of dropping down into the box. He's a team captain. And he shows that he can lead a defense, although Rutgers was just 1-11. You know, to show out like he did this year is, is impressive, to say the least. Uh, he's extremely athletic, like I said. He's natural in his transitions. And he has the play speed to stay with these slot receivers. You know, he has a tendency to gamble. But I actually kind of like that in my safeties. You know, yes, they're the last line of defense. But if we have a gambling safety that can make some big plays, you know, that, that seems like an upside player in my eyes. You know, I definitely put him on my radar with the solid combine, great pro day, and then film study. And he's actually a high upside day three pick for me. Maybe has the potential to slide into late day two. Hey, you know, I agree with that. I love everything I saw from Saquon Hampton this past season. And, of course, he gets lost in the mix there playing in Rutgers, but, man, just great leadership, a smart – he's like a coach on the field. All those underclassmen on the Rutgers defense, he's lining them up, making them sure they're in the right place. Bo, I mean, this has been a uh, Rutgers trend now with the McCordys and Deron Harmon <laughs> and uh, some of these other guys. I mean, the Rutgers defensive backs, they seem to make a pretty good living at the next level, have you had a chance to get your eyes on Saquon Hampton? Any thoughts there? 
You know, I haven't had the in-depth eyes that you guys have on Hampton. I mean, besides just, uh, you know, nitpicking around here and there, uh, maybe seeing him doing some Big Ten play just because I'm always around Big Ten football. But, uh, you know, I like the kid. Um, you know, hopefully he can sneak into that seventh round. You know, he's going to be one of those fringe guys. But at the end of the day, you know, he's got, he's got you know, he has a pulse. And, if you know, he, I think he's a guy that kind of emerges in a camp. He's a guy that can get in camp and, and kind of emerge. But I do love his size. And, again, you know, I can't really comment much more because, you know, you guys obviously have uh, really scouted him. I know he's in your backyard, Rick. So, at the end of the day, I know you're going to have the best eyes out of all of us uh, um, for any Rutgers guy. But, uh, you know, I mean, Rutgers guys are scrappy. They got that Jersey attitude. And, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, he can, <laughs> hopefully he can make himself some money and, uh, you know, you know, impress in camp and, and kind of make that 53-man roster. Well, hey, I tweeted out today the, the the guys coming out in the draft from New Jersey. Man, if Rutgers could keep not even half of these, if we could just keep like ten percent of these guys in the state, God, I mean, it would it would be a, a, a traditional powerhouse. Uh, Joe, any thoughts there on Hampton? Have you had a chance to 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 watch this kid at all? Not a time, but just I, I did see the suddenness, and then also the four four eight at his size. Man, uh, he's he's day three. Someone's going to take the chance with that profile. Yeah, those, those uh, size and, and measurements, you know, add up to being a draftable prospect. And I, uh, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, I think if Rutgers has a player selected, it'll probably be Hampton and it'll probably be day three. Um, all right, winding it down with Drew Schweitzer here on the Rick Jones Bow Show. Uh, anyone else, Drew, just throw the bunch together, hit us with the uh, rest of the players, anyone else you want to talk about? I got Terrell Hanks, linebacker from New Mexico State. Um, He was a surprise disappointment at the Combine, ran a shockingly low 40 time, didn't really match up with his film at all. Uh, He didn't, you know, participate in any drills afterwards, so I'm actually very skeptical of this time. But saw him at the Senior Bowl, had some bone-crushing hits during practice. He boasts a chiseled frame. He takes off his shirt, and you're like, whoa, what's wrong with me? On tape, Hanks looks fast. He has the range you want to see in that modern-day linebacker, and he can easily navigate sideline to sideline. But he gets kind of in trouble by over-pursuing. Needs to be coached up. Really needs to be coached up. But he could run, and that athleticism is going to be intriguing to teams in the day three range. And he's, he's a converted safety to linebacker, so he has that coverage ability that you want to see in, in, in that modern-day coverage linebacker, especially as a value on day three. And then one more guy, I see Mark Fields, cornerback from Clemson. Slot corner, he was benched during his senior season, but he actually came into the championship game and had two big contributions, two big pass breakups. Comes into the combine, runs a 4-3-7. You know, that's intriguing. Speed is intriguing, you know, for any NFL personnel. So I see him as a day three pick as well with some upside due to that unique speed, and especially in the NFL with this wide-open you know, this wide-open offense, I look for him to be a slot corner, maybe a developmental corner. Yeah, some people feel like, you know, Fields is one of the better man-to-man coverage type guys. And, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, Prototypical slot cover corner there. I like that selection on the day three. Uh, Joe, back to you with Hanks because I know this was the guy I was ready to put him in my top 100 after Mobile. And then, you know, we were sitting around the round table after the combine, scratching our heads, trying to slot him in. When you run a four nine eight, 
Man, <laughs> uh, that that is uh, some perplexion, some confoundedness. Um, uh, but I'm with Drew. Uh, we we go to the tape. It, it, we see a player with terrific instincts. Uh, the conversion from safety, it's showing up there in pass coverage. Uh, and then, yes, like at the weigh-in, I don't know that he won the weigh-in, but it looks like someone screwed G.I. Joe arms onto him that are life-sized. Like, they're just <laughs> like rocks on his shoulders, man. Uh, and, and just talking to the kid, he is, like, uh, so humble. And also coming from the scheme, that's uh, Spaziani there at New Mexico State. That's a pro scheme. So I think teams are really going to love him. It's just that four nine eight. You know, someone runs that like that don't play. So uh, that, that I'm also skeptical what went on there. Like you don't you play like that and run that slow. That tells me you either didn't take your training seriously or you were just working at it, working out with some bad people. I don't know. Like I <laughs> throw shade out there like that, but uh, the the numbers don't match. The maybe game, he was just but nervous. I'm, I'm a yeah, big maybe fan he was of just nervous. Maybe he was just nervous when the spotlight came on. Yep. It could happen like and, that, but uh, there's definitely a heck of a player. But I think that test results that knocks him down from a, a potential day two guy now to, yeah. to day three. And as much as I wanted to call him this year's Darius Leonard, well, at least Darius ran a four seven. Right. Yeah, no, definitely a hit in the wallet there. And you're telling me Frank Spaziani's down in New Mexico. Man, he must be dying for a slice of pizza right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> <Hey. laughs> We're just breaking it down. Hey, we go on and off the field between the stripes and talk in real life. We break it all down for you here. You want a personal consultation? Hey, email me, RIC at NFLDraftBible.com. We're on a roll, baby, man. We can't stop. We won't stop. Oh, man, I feel like I've been talking draft around the clock because we have. Uh, Drew, you know, these guys have some prop bets they want to talk about we haven't gotten to. I'm going to keep you. You got to go or you want to stay on the line, be our tiebreaker here, talk a little prop bets. Hey, I'm here, man. I'm here. <laughs> I'm staying. All right, on. yeah, we're put we're putting you on the spot, super fly style. It's been a freestyle here on the Extravaganza Bonanza show. Uh, this is, you know, usually our most tuned in episode, and uh, you know, we're just hours away from the NFL draft. So, guys, I asked you to take a look at some prop bets going on and uh, hit me with some of your favorites. Uh, we'll take them one at a time. We'll, we we got a little bit of time to play with, you know, maybe another 10 minutes or so. Uh, we'll go back and forth one at a time. Joe, hit me with your best prop bet. What you got? Let's make some money on this bad boy. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys got an account at five times.eu, but my favorite one is over or under five and a half offensive linemen in the, in the uh, first round. I think that's a lock. Uh, maybe they messed up and thought, like, interior O-linemen? I don't know, but I'm going to take their money. Now, unfortunately, I got it when it was minus 180. Now it's all the way juiced up to minus 400-something last I looked. I'm still buying in. Like, I'm just doing the basic math. The three tackles are going. Um, then you got uh, Bradbury, McCoy, uh, one and two for sure. I think McCoy – or, uh, sorry, uh, Bradbury – for sure. And then um, what about Ford? What about your boy Lindstrom? I mean, uh, there's too many names there that's going to add up to six minimum. I think seven offensive linemen. Um, 
six for sure. Why they put it at five and a half? Uh, maybe they know something we don't, but that one just, boy, I'm, I was scratching my head for a second, and then I said, boy, I better bet this before it goes up, and that's what happened. Well, hey, you know, Jawan Taylor, possibly uh, medically red flagged. He could slide out of the first round. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Bradbury, I have right on the edge. You know, not to, not to crush your dreams here, Joe. McCoy, I, I, I had a hard time finding a home for McCoy there uh, in the first round. So you're saying it has to be six offensive linemen. You know, I'm curious. We're going to have to go around the room here. Uh, Bo, are you buying the over or the under five-and-a-half offensive linemen in round one? Ah, Joe, I'm going under. I, I'm going through it right now. I just, you know, because I push so many defensive guys that it broke my heart to push down the, you know, push into day two. So, I, I mean, I would say no. But, again, I mean, you know, Vegas knows what they're doing. I mean, it's going to be, uh, you know, five or, you know, basically six or over. So, but I'm going to – if I'm doing it, I'm going to say it doesn't reach six. But, again, you know, Joe Joe has a better pulse on this stuff than I would. Uh, but, ah, man, I, I think I got – I think I got five in my first round. Let's see. I got – I got uh, – who's the first one? I got – I'm looking here now. Let's see. I got – I got Taylor going. That's one. We got Jonah Williams is two. Watch, I'm going to end up having seven. I got two. I got Dillard three. <laughs> I got Ford four. Um, mm-hmm. I'm at four. Uh, four. Nothing. And the last four. I got four going in the first round. So. Well, I've got four, five. I got five. And you know what? I'm a Chris Lindstrom believer. I'm I'm the president. I'm also a client of the fan club. And I don't even know who's going to go in the first round. You know, Drew, I yeah. don't know. Hey, I mean, this is – this is it's not as much of a lock as you think. This is a tough one, I think. I, well, I have Greg Little, I think, might be my sixth. Yeah, you know, this one is a tough one. You know, I have Chris Lindstrom as my last one in the in, – in the first round as well, but that was my mock draft two weeks ago. Um, can Ford get his way, get into there to be my sixth? I think he can, but you know, I got to go with the over on this one. I think, I think there'll be six. I think there'll be six. Yeah. I mean, which, which team in the league can't use another offensive lineman. So, I mean, I definitely can buy it, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if it's a lock, Joey, but you know, I I don't I don't mean to be like blind melon and and watch the puddles gather rain on your parade. But I'm just saying, uh, <laughs> Bo, give me give me a prop bet you like, brother. I well, he's he's my uh, he's my number one guy. I've seen him play enough. Maybe that hurts me. Maybe it helps me. But uh, I know uh, he's been a guy I've admired from afar from um, since this past year when he took over at Penn State behind Saquon Barkley. Uh, Miles Sanders uh, plus six fifty to be the second back off the board, and I just like the the money value. You know, it's kind of like you know I don't I don't want to bet a hundred to win a hundred and five. I want to win big money. So I, I like that odds. I like where he's at, and I believe in him as a prospect. So uh, you know, I think he could sneak in front of Montgomery or Henderson and, and be that guy teams covet. Um, again, I'm very high on Sanders. I have been you know, since I saw him get going last year when he got that full range after Barkley left and, you know, departed for the Giants. So uh, I think this Miles Sanders, second running back, the plus 650. 
That's great value. I, I love value. I'm all about the upside. And, uh, Drew, I think, you know, there's a really legitimate chance, I think, that Miles Sanders could be second off the board. Do you agree? Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, like like you guys said, the value is there with that pick. Um, does he get there? He has a chance. Second second uh, running back, yeah, I could definitely see it. I think the, the second running back overall in this draft is – they're all jockeying for position. So it just takes one team to fall in love with Miles Sanders, and I could definitely see that happening. All right. You know, I look, uh, I mean, think last year – well, real quick, I mean, think about last year with Rashad Penny coming out of nowhere into the first round for Seattle. You know, and like Drew hit mm-hmm. on, you know, there's, there's really not that one guy. So for the money, why sure. hell not? <laughs> no, I agree. I mean, listen, I saw when I was at the FanDuel books, Rock Your Sin – Drew and I were, were, were having a meeting, and we said, hey, Rocky your sin is plus 1650 <laughs> You mean, I, you know, 100 to win back $1,650? Well, hey. Yes, you know, sir. He might, he, <laughs> you know, he might not be the number one, but could it happen? It absolutely can. It could. It wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't be crazy. So if you're looking for that upside, that money value, uh, Miles Sanders – being the second running back, or Rakusin being the first uh, corner, those are some very, very good odds. Uh, Joe, what else you got for us here on the prop bets? Uh, people got a little bit of time to get some extra action in. This may go against my super offensive lineman prop, but uh, if that <laughs> prop you've got is the correct number, uh, 17 and a half offensive players, I'd go under that one. Uh, I think uh, I've already bought that prop at 16 and a half, so I definitely take 17 and a half. And that's just in general sticking to the board. I think there's so many talented uh, defensive players this year. We've got all those edge rushers crowded up. And looking at my final mock, I've got a 16-16 split. And even if um, I'm wrong on those uh, offensive linemen, who's to say they'll stick on offense? You know uh, that. That could just be uh, where uh, the other defensive players, like I got DeAndre Baker just missing, Tillery just missing, Byron Murphy just missing, and then those safeties. Like it's just which flavor safety does a team want? So I think uh, I'm always leaning defense anyways uh, every year at this prop, but I think this year more so just because the talent is on that side of the ball. I mean, so, you know, uh, kind of money where your mouth is, so to speak. Uh, that's the way my board is. It's defense heavy. And I think that's that's the way the teams have got to be, be believing. So, yeah, like I said, I bet this at 16 and a half. So, definitely, if I could get 17 and a half, if this is at a local Jersey book, I'd appreciate a friend. Hey, and a what's the line? Hey, down. what's the line? What's the line at, Joe? What's the line at? I don't. I don't have any juice. I'm just looking at the what, what you sent in the email. If it's 17, I okay. don't know. Uh, I yeah. haven't found that 17 and a half. But even if okay. it's 16 and a half, I'm still betting that man. I, I, I'm I salivating. Even I'm, split. I'm, I'm. I'm thinking about taking a drive right now. I mean, hey, <laughs> are you kidding me, Drew? You're telling me I got a dozen defensive linemen in the first round alone. So you're telling me I just need six more defensive linemen. I'm all in, Drew. What do you say? Yeah, I got to agree with you, Rick. You know, this is such a defensive loaded, you know, first round. I I like it. I I think this is a lock, honestly. 
Um, yeah, a lock. I, I would take it. A lock. We got our first lock of the day. Hammer at home. I should have bet more. Hey. <laughs> hey, we're taking the express route to the okay. Bo, hit us with another prop bet, baby. We're, we're, we're having too much fun here. Come here. Hey, by, by the way, I got 19 def- def- defensive guys going in the first round of my box. So. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Drew, 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 Drew Lock. Like Drew Lock. Drew is the lock, man. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and like Mr. Joe Effort said, uh, Rick, are you going to make a little trip for everybody? Can we, uh, can we pay Ty you some money and, and send you off hey. to, uh, to the, uh, to the well, table? Well, we we you know we've had a uh, Heineken sponsorship come into the picture, so I might have to Uber it on over. <laughs> um, you know what I I like, and this is another one. Um, DeAndre Baker, and we talked you know about the defensive back. Um, the one I got is plus four ninety for Baker being the third defensive back, or at least you know I mean you know I think Greedy or Byron will be one or two, but uh, you know I think Baker could be in that top three, and I, I think again for the value. And just the money outside of it, you know, I think Baker could be that third DB, you know, in the first round. No, I I think that's a really valid pick. I'm on board with that. And, uh, you know, we're we're about an hour and a half deep into this podcast, so we're going to wind it on down. I know, um, you know, the one the one prop bet that did go down, you know, we, we were hoping to get Dwayne Haskins to the Bengals at plus 1,100. He went down to 600, plus 600. I think, you know, we actually got some other Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins action in, which he's all over the board. Uh, Drew, what did we get Dwayne Haskins at? Do you remember? Yeah, we got him at plus, uh, plus 600 for the, for the bangle. Wow. That's good. And, yeah. then, and, and then I think, the, what were the Giants? Were like plus 250, was it? Yeah, the Giants were plus two fifty, and I'm pretty sure the Redskins were plus two twenty five. And I think the Dolphins were wow. plus two eighty. So, you know, if you just spread that around, huh? I mean, hey, you got to play the odds, <laughs> bang the books, baby. As Joe Ever can tell you, he does the podcast each and every week. See how we plug that there. Of course, uh, Bo Marchant doing the College to Pro podcast. Uh, cranking out the player interviews. Drew Schweitzer will be uh, tweeting, you know, up some uh, stuff of his during the draft, leading up to the draft we have. Um, All right, parting shots, gentlemen. Bo was on the show yesterday. Bo and Chris shared their favorite draft Bible memory. Uh, I'm going to put Joe and Drew on the spot now since we have them on the line before we close things out. We're going to stroll down draft Bible memory lane. Drew, of course, just hopping on board uh, this draft cycle, but Bo and Joe have been on board for over the past decade, and if you want to hear the draft, the stroll down memory lane and behind the scenes and what all the uh, draft process entailed for us here at the Draft Bible. Check out yesterday's podcast. You can go on to the archives at Blog Talk Radio, iTunes. Of course, we broadcast on NFLDraftScout.com. 2019 NFL Draft Bible is available. If you didn't download that, you're doing yourself a a disservice. Um, But we're going to wrap things up, put a bow on it. Uh, See what I did there? And uh, Joe... Give us a, a memory down uh, the, the the lane here. Give us a draft Bible memory. Like I told Bo yesterday, make sure we're still all employable after the story. 
See, I was about to say, there's a few not safe for work memories down the lane. Uh, shout out to the Red Garter, the Slippery Noodle, and the New Jersey Loan Shark. But um, no, there was a particular event a couple years back that the whole crew got to work together at uh, down in Texas. And as a team, uh, we were just all facets. Uh, it was just a righteous event. I'd, I'd wager to say we crushed it. Video coverage, interviews, highlight reels. We're doing live hits, scouting reports, you name it. We had an office suite uh, adjoined to the rooms. It was, uh, I mean, morning till noon and night. And, I mean, it was hard work now. I and mean, we're out there just uh, boots on the ground covering the event. But, and I've had no better week in my life. It was a blast uh, working with you guys and just uh, a family atmosphere we had going. It's one of the, uh, the best times I've ever had. So I think that, man, that sticks out more than anything. So Shannon Felt, uh, Justin Gamble, Super Sammy, and the whole crew, <laughs> and, and, of course, the RIC included. Not, you know, not to be left out, but it was an awesome right, time man. working with you guys. <laughs> Yeah. The stairways, that was always a fun time too. So, yeah, you oh, know. Man. Cannot leave that. <laughs> yeah, we had several players dressed no doubt about it. Uh Bo, I might come over to you back for another story because I'm sure you got one stern in the pot. But uh Drew, you've only been on board here for several months. I know we got out to couple of pro days so we didn't really have too much excitement but you know give give the people a little uh glimpse behind the scenes a little sneak peek what we do here at the draft bible hey listen like you said i'm i'm a new guy here so not too many memories but i gotta say that temple pro day was one of the best ones i definitely we, we definitely got to attend i mean we got to see rocky sin obviously a stud uh, Michael Dogby, I, I stood next to him and I just felt like a new man. Like, I, I don't even know, but man, that was, uh, we had some great times at those pro days, you know, working on the draft Bible with you, uh, hands on. Yeah. It's not the most fun work, but Hey, the draft Bible looks great now. And, you know, I'm happy to be a part of it and definitely ready to make some more memories along with the whole crew at NFL draft Bible. Yeah, I mean, the Temple Pro Day, Reichwell, Armstead, too. Uh, Bentel Bryan probably makes a team. There's, a, you know, uh, the safety, Delvin Randall. Uh, a lot of a lot of good pro prospects, indeed, at that Temple Pro Day. Very well attended. Always very well fed. Uh, also, shout out to Temple for that. Um, but, you know, it, Drew makes a good point. Hey, the, the, the work you see, you see the finished product, you see the draft Bible, it looks outstanding hopefully you feel that way but uh you know it's it's some tedious work it's not always you know what you see on tv on youtube and on block talk radio there's a lot of grunt work that goes into the uh whole process and bo you know i gotta go back to you for one more story man because i know you know about the process (laughs) and the grunt work and you know uh give us a story here man before we wrap it up come on one more for the people all right, now listen, everybody listening to this show is obviously going to watch the NFL draft tonight. 
And when that thing concludes about 11, 1130, it's going to hit midnight here on the East Coast. And that's when you're going to hear NFL Draft Bible after dark stories here on the next podcast. <laughs> we'll <just leave> that. <laughs> that sounds like a that sounds like a smash hit show. If you tell me, let me go get my face. <laughs> I tell you what, man, oh man. if they knew all the stories, there really would be that many clicks, and we wouldn't even talk draft anymore. We just talk about what <laughs> yeah. stupid stuff we do. Well, that's a whole nother. I mean, we might put TMZ out of business with that website. So, hey, uh, <laughs> this has been an incredible show. 90 minutes down. Uh, my favorite podcast of the season by far. Uh, 90 minutes of mayhem. If you're just tuning in, go back. Check out the show from the beginning. Go back and check out our archives. You still have time before the draft to get it in. huh? And if you didn't, if time is running out, if you're listening to it and the draft's about to start, well, make sure you draft or make sure you download the first round pick of draft guides. That's the NFL Draft Bible up there on the website, NFLDraftScout.com. You can download the 2019 draft guide. Uh, we will have podcasts each and every day for this Nashville shindig. Uh, we'll be back at it again tomorrow. Again, if it's iTunes, Blog Talk, Draft Scout, Stitcher, like it, share it, care it, comment on it. We appreciate it. Until um, the next time, everybody, we're going to come back with an even better show. Believe it or not, I guarantee it. So keep it locked. The Rick and Joe NFL Draft Show, powered by NFLDraftScout.com.